Hello and welcome. This is going to be episode 12. And first, I have a couple of things to say about it. First of all, this episode has so many gems of wisdom inside of it that I am so excited to bring it forward. And the second thing I want to tell you is that I was nearly crushed when I realized that the sound quality was not optimal after our recording. That probably is because I'm an amateur at this and I'm learning as I go. And I already had to throw out one episode, one conversation that I am going to re-record with someone else, but I was so worried that we were going to lose this episode and I'm airing it anyway. And I'm doing that for a couple of reasons. One, you know, just because I didn't want to lose the gems. And two, because, you know, I'm, I'm on this life path of, um, we're going to get our voices out there, women, kind of no matter what, it's what we're doing. Like silence be damned. And so, um, I'm going to ask you to please, um, be with and forgive the poor sound quality. It's not my strength. It's not my career. My career is in, you know, making sure that we all have access to our authentic and true and sacred selves and lifting women's voices. And so, um, I'm lifting this conversation with Sarah Brienne Grady and myself, and I'm lifting that in spite of the technical difficulties because we go onward and I really promise you that you're not going to regret listening. And I will also share quickly that I assemble all of my podcasts on an awesome software called Auxbus, A-U-X-B-U-S. And when I put all of the pieces into Auxbus, it creates the episode for me and it distributes it to all of the platforms. And I really, really, really appreciate this software because someone who is not a professional in sound and quality of recordings and all of that would have a very difficult time putting together a podcast and I am able to manage it one because, you know, I figure things out, but two, because Oxbus is such an amazing piece of software. And so if you are interested in starting a podcast and getting your voice out there, go ahead and look up oxbus.com and they are not paying me to say this. They are just that awesome that I'm shouting it out. So thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Oxbus for cleaning up some of the sound quality in every episode. And um, we're going to keep doing this and we're going to keep having these conversations and we're not going away as women. And thank you for listening. The feedback has really been that these conversations are inspiring at a very deep level. And that has certainly been the goal all along. So thank you for being here. Thank you for being in this community. Don't forget that we have the Sacred Remembering Facebook group to start conversations after you listen to episodes. Um, you can even make requests for certain topics if you'd like to. But this episode with Sarah Grady, we cover some ground, y'all. We cover some ground from listening to the body for sensations of truth. And then we bridge and bridge and bridge. And we end with a conversation about 
uh, physical sensations of truth inside relationship, which is incredibly empowering. So I think we're going to have to have Sarah back for another episode. But for now, I'll stop talking and let's get to it. And thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Hello and welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast, the place for modern women who are waking up to the truth of who they are, with me as your host, Sarah Poet. Now, if the word sacred is throwing you a little bit, that's okay. Have you had that moment as a modern woman where you went, wait, I left something of myself back there along the way? Well, if so, then you're already on a path of sacred remembering and you're actually in the right place. We know that modern women are rising, but we don't do it by fighting. We do it by remembering who we are and standing in that truth. And here in this space, we remember together through stories and tools and curiosity. And in doing so, we bring forward the place of women in our modern world. Now let's begin. Sarah Grady is a former child and family psychotherapist turned doula and divine feminine catalyst. Her greatest passion is showing up in service to women and supporting them and accessing the wisdom of their bodies. She is a certified holistic birth and postpartum doula through the Matrona. She is also a trained theater artist, dancer, and yogi. Sarah holds deeply embodied space for self-expression and self-acceptance. Also trained in shamanic energy healing, Sarah values a holistic approach to birth that is inclusive of each client's physical, emotional, cultural, and spiritual expressions. Welcome, Sarah. All right. Hello, Sarah. Welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Such an honor. Ah, such an honor to have you. So I was going to start by asking you about your journey, but that's now the second question because the first (laughs) question became, uh, so I always do three breaths with every guest, uh, before we hit record. And, um, I asked you to, to tune in and breathe and you got a bunch of sensations in your body and we're here to talk about sensations in the body. So now I want to go back to that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like before I even got through breath number one, there was a burst of energy that started in my solar plexus and it moved all the way up to my heart. And it was like this tingling sensation and it was warmth and it was exciting and it was also scary. And then it was grief And then I realized that it was the physical sensation in my body of the energetic current of what it means to speak truth. It is like that feeling before you go on stage and you're about to do a massive mic drop and people better get ready. (laughs) And I was like, oh, right. And something honestly brought me back like centuries ago you know, like witch hunt time. And I was like, oh, like, it's okay for me to speak my truth today. Like, I'm not going to get burned. I can do it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that's what was happening in the body. Yeah. Wow. And yeah, that was all happening really quickly. So I want to lift up a couple of things there. First of all, your 
laugh is such a delight and a delicious <laughs> gift for everyone. Who's listening. <laughs> I love you. Thank you. <laughs> and then, wow. Okay. So we're here to talk about the sensations of truth in the body and, mm-hmm. and that what we just opened with, what you just opened with is an amazing example of coming to know those sensations in the body and then being able to track them and being able to name them and mm-hmm. then associating them with the emotion, with the fear. Um, wow. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to come back to like, how do we develop those kinds of skills? Um, but I also want to really honor what you just said about it's okay that we tell our truths now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. This is huge. It really is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Do you want to say more about that? Yeah. Well, I mean, without a shadow of a doubt, the feminine is rising on the entire planet at this time. And now more than ever, we have needed the voice of women. And I think we've been practicing kind of, you know, on a subterranean level with each other in our homes and in our communities. But women's voices are being heard on a public arena in a way that they maybe have never before. And women have been elected to public office, you know, at unbelievable rates just in the last year. And, um, you know, nobody's been shot yet. (laughs) So uh, it's time. Right. Yeah. Thank you. You are tracking politics a little bit more than I am. Maybe that's something that I'll take on in 2020. <laughs> I don't usually, <laughs> except when it comes to women. I'm like, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for lifting that up. Um, yeah. And yeah, there, there's a courage, I think, that is more palpable now. And not, not to say that it's not still scary. You know, it is still scary. Because we do have these traumas in our cellular memories from intergenerational and ancestral, you know, Mm -hmm. lifetimes of traumas. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, when we stand to speak our truth as women, we actually get a big trauma response. I know I do. Um, This is a lot of the work that I do with women around voice and being with those sensations in the body, understanding that right now the threat is more of the memory than maybe more of the present situation. Um, Yes, exactly. And I think that's why I was able to track that the sensation, I mean, like, I love you. You're a dear sister of mine. I love talking to you. So I've never been nervous to talk to you. And then all of a sudden, as we were about to record this, my body had like a palpable, powerful wave of sensation. And I was like, oh, right. That has nothing to do with what's happening in this time, space, dimension, reality right Mm now. Mm -hmm. This is about all the times that Sarah and I have done this before. And we, we suffered the consequences for that. Right. Oh, literal memory, past life memories of being killed for my voice. Many, many. Yes. Oh, yes. And also, it's no coincidence that the coffee mug that I chose to drink with you today has written on it that it's called the cup of courage. Ooh. (laughs) Yeah. And so it's something that we're like invoking, you know, every word we speak is a spell. And so Mm. what is the reality that we want to cast? And I think part of what's happening on the planet at this time is that women are waking up to the truth that they get to cast their own reality. Wow. Yeah. That's some sacred remembering. (laughs) (laughs) 
right there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And that we're not alone in that, you know, like we're really not alone. I think that's also the other piece that I'm witnessing right now is that like the art of the women's circle, which has been happening since the beginning of time is, you know, happening. It's growing as a movement inside of women's homes, but then it's also growing in, in business. It's growing mm-hmm. in the environment. It's growing in all of these different areas. And so we're, we're remembering that it's safe because we're remembering that we're not alone. We're remembering together. And then, yeah, I'm a huge proponent for remembering inside of the spaces that we already occupy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think that I know for, for me, I want to talk about your journey here next, but for me, there was like a, I was remembering on the inside, but I didn't know how to incorporate that into the, into the job that I had or the life that I was living. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Mm -hmm. I really want to advocate that we do that kind of out in the open, you know, with one another in our work spaces of leadership. Like we're bringing the sacred feminine and infusing it into the world where it needs to be um, rather than like doing it in, in the, secret spaces and in the fringes anymore. Yes, exactly. Yeah. All right. So can we go back to your journey? I, I would love for listeners to know a little bit about what you do now, and then we'll kind of build a bridge from uh, maybe your younger years. Yeah, so can absolutely. You what you do now? Great. Yeah. Um, so I am a doula. I am a holistic birth and postpartum doula. Um, and if you don't know what that is a doula uh, is derived from the Greek word she who serves, or in some translations is slave. But in in the times of the origin of that word, it was never really about slavery. It was truly about showing up in service um, to the women of the community. And and so I, you know, I attend births and I also work with women um, six weeks six weeks postpartum after they give birth, but also sometimes several months after that, tending to their bodies, their babies, their home, you know, doula work can look like everything from massaging the mom as she's breastfeeding to making her a nourishing meal to mm-hmm. holding the baby so that she can get some rest. Um, but it is also a really incubative time for tending to a woman's psyche and spirit and soul. Mm-hmm. Um, I came to doula work though, via, uh, kind of a two prong career. So my original background is that I'm a trained theater artist and dancer and actually got my master's, um, in drama therapy. And, you know, I, I came to the arts to heal, Hmm. you know, I started dancing when I was age three and came into theater when I was in high school and followed it as a career because of how healing it was to me on a soul level as like a, you know, a young kid and teen going through my parents' divorce and all sorts of change and transition, body image issues, all sorts of things. Um, and I thought, wow, what a better way than to bridge the like curative properties of theater with psychotherapy. So I went and got my master's in counseling psychology and then uh, specialized in drama therapy. Drama therapy is a really powerful form and it's really rooted in embodiment. Mm -hmm. So instead of just, you know, sitting on a couch and talking about your feelings, you're standing up and you're embodying your emotions or you're replaying, reenacting scenes in your life. Um, 
However, <laughs> the, <laughs> the mystical nature, I think, of the form of drama therapy doesn't always get to get translated into the industry of psychotherapy. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I was put on the planet to support women and their bodies and their families. Mm-hmm. Uh, where job security was laid out for me as a young therapist was in the community mental health sector. Mm-hmm. And these are often the toughest in the trenches jobs. And um, really were thrown into these scenarios to quote unquote, fix a child's behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, very aggressive behaviors that would potentially have a child removed from their home. And so even though I was trained in this really beautiful art form, what I was being paid to do was cognitive behavioral therapy. And um, I was being paid to do it because that's what insurance companies pay mental health agencies to do. Yeah. So even throughout that whole time, though, you knew that you wanted to work with women and their families. Like you are... Okay. Okay. You I, I knew that. That was such a clear vision for me from a young age. Mm, okay. Um, and I also have to hand it to like the women that I come from. My mom is super fierce uh, from New Jersey. I was also born in New Jersey. We're Irish. We're super fiery. Mm. I was raised to be a really strong female and to support women's rights. And Um, I just always remember having conversations about that from a young age. And so I knew I was here to do that. But what I was witnessing as a young psychotherapist in community mental health, mind you, in San Francisco, of all places, which I thought would have been very progressive and open, yeah, um, was that the system was really not serving the families and Mm -hmm. the children. And I was spending far more time doing paperwork acting as a social worker, kind of playing the game, involved in a lot of bureaucracy. Um, And these kids were falling through the cracks Mm -hmm. and their families were at their wits end. And what we weren't talking about, what was happening in their bodies, what was the ancestral trauma that was going on um, on a soul spirit level? Like where had soul parts been? Um, lost along the way. There were a whole slew of things we weren't acknowledging. Yeah. And often in that work, I'm sorry to interrupt, but coming from working with children as well, I mean, we're hardly even talking about the actual traumas. Right. At that that point. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Um, the, in this lifetime traumas, I mean, I mean, they're all right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it's like, there's um, a lack of awareness about all the different dimensions that can be affecting just one body as it's walking around the earth. Right. And, um, you know, I was really grateful for my training as a psychotherapist, um, and all of the crisis work that I did in San Francisco, um, because it gave me a really solid foundation for studying and being able to analyze the psyche, um, and people's Mm -hmm. emotions and, and what tools did and did not work actually. Um, But where I always felt like there was something missing was on like an embodied soul realm. So I I left that work and studied, you know, energy healing and shamanism. Um, I also dove back in uh, to my dance practice and uh, studied 
uh, Koya, which is a really powerful dance movement practice that I teach and um, also went to yoga teacher training. And my goal was to try to figure out as much about the body um, on a physical and an energetic level as possible so that I could figure out a way to actually show up in service Mm. to women and their children. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I want to highlight a couple of things, if I may. Um, yes. So many women go into service-oriented careers. So many. <laughs> um, and then there, there's that discord of, oh, this actually isn't the fix. You know, you see these systems, whether it be working with children or whether it be working with um, the medical industry or, you know, whatever these service careers are. There's so many. And then we start to realize, I think in our own process of, of waking up that like, oh, this isn't going to cut it. Mm-hmm. And so I know that there are so many women listeners um, in that situation right now. Mm-hmm. So the other thing I want to ask is um, you had a really strong idea from the beginning of what you wanted to do, what you knew that you were here for. And then when you were leaving psychotherapy, you're saying you were going on this quest to gather as much information as possible. I'm wondering, like, how many years did that span? It's probably still continuing if I had to get <laughs> Yeah, in some ways it is. I think it's a forever journey. Yeah, totally. Um, while we're doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. what's that journey out of psychotherapy like? I mean, you clearly had this clear vision. Um, not all of us do, you know, so I just, well, <laughs> yeah, I'm so grateful <laughs> you asked that question. Okay. So my process, like, you know, really out of psychotherapy, studying a bunch of things, going to create my own body of work, and then eventually coming to doula work um, was about a five-year journey, um, but it would have been shorter. And I can mm-hmm. tell you why. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. So the thing is, is that when you say you're a therapist or you're a doctor or you're a lawyer or fill in any of these like high powered um, jobs that people in our society recognize as powerful and therefore recognize as valid, um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of seduction in that. And, um, for me, there was a lot of feeling like, well, I, I, sh- I spent all this money on going to grad school and I've worked this many years, so I should be loving this. Like, this should mm. be the place. Like, I really, really thought this was supposed to be it. And when I tell people I'm a therapist, they know what that means. And there's validation in that. And like, there's identity wrapped up in that. Yeah. And supposedly there's job security and money in that as well. Right. Um, what was really hard for me to come to grips with what was what that job and that industry was actually taking from me. And to be very, very clear, it doesn't take the same thing from everyone, Mm -hmm. but I had to get really clear and honest with myself that I'm a highly sensitive being. I'm a medicine woman. I'm a threshold walker. I'm a truth speaker. I'm a change maker. I'm an empath. Like I walk in to a lot of these environments, you know, I would be doing therapy and really intense homes, you know, walking over like drug needles and dead animals or walking into inner city schools or residential treatment facilities. And my whole body would freeze. Mm -hmm. I'd have a pit in my stomach. There'd be a lump in my throat. And I had to pretend 
for years, like that was okay. Like just toughen up, grow thicker skin, Sarah, like take the paycheck, Sarah. And it was like, I don't belong here. Right. Right. And when I got really clear and honest, yeah, (laughs) about that and realized that there was nothing wrong with that and realized that actually it was just a training ground for me to then expand into the thing that I'm really here for Mm -hmm. and say, actually, it's okay to be even bigger, to shine brighter, to align with that, which is actually true for my body and being. Then it was like, boom everything just kind of fell into place Mm. and all the signs and synchronicities in the universe were like pointing me towards doula work. And they were like, you're supposed to go reach the babies before they come to you for therapy. Wow. Your ancestral healing is when they're in the womb, go work with the mamas before they even give birth. So they don't pass along those traumas in utero. So important. Yeah. I I feel like that last segment was one that we should all just go rewind and listen to again, <laughs> and again. <laughs> because it was it was like such a beautiful way of speaking that personal permission that really takes so long to arrive to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know when we're in these individual journeys as women, we're thinking like I don't fit in, therefore something's wrong with me. Um, but when you start to flip the paradigm of recognizing that, no, it's not, it's not you, you're too big for this system, mm-hmm. um, or you're here to actually, in, like we were talking about at the beginning, infuse, you know, mm-hmm. into the system. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 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 So. And I appreciate you saying that too, because it reminds me to say that like, I think therapy rocks. I think there are incredible psychotherapists on the planet doing really good work because it's their work. Yeah. It's not, it's not my work, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, but I, I was resisting what my body was screaming at me for so long with. And when I finally decided to listen to the body and let go of the people, places and things that were too confining or not in alignment for me, it was like, boom, everything in life just opened up and became lighter. Right. Wonderful. Amazing. So yeah. So you already had this relationship with the body and sensations, which is, is very different than my path. So I'm naming that for listeners because, Mm. you know, I was like discouraged from (laughs) being in relationship with my body. And I think we are, you know, as a society, we're in train to, you know, go to school and get the cognitive knowledge and shut down what's going on in the body and that kind of thing. But, you know, you had this innate, you wanted to dance from the time you were three. Yeah. I wanted to dance too, but I was so scared to be in theater or dance. I never would have done it. Uh, my mother mm. was too, you know, it, it was like, mm. we just didn't do that. I <laughs> 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 just shut that shit right down. And, <laughs> That was part of my healing journey, um, too. But yeah, so, and, you know, I've, I've been in the room in your dance classes, in your Koya classes, mm-hmm. and, like, watching your body move, and, and you just, you have this relationship with your body that, um, yeah, it, mm. well, we can we tell, and it's like a blessing onto the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me just say... Dance. <laughs> I did not. Um, mm, I didn't. Well, let's just say, no pun intended, that it, it has been a dance. It wasn't like 
Um, my whole life, I have felt utter permission to be in my body, to inhabit it, to love it, you know, all the things. I think the expression of me at age 34 that you see when I teach a Koya class is a woman who's worked so hard to allow herself to be there unapologetically. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Because the transmission that I received from my mother and from her mother and from her mother was that your body is too big. Your body is, um, it's too much. It's a hindrance. It's a problem. <laughs> it's only supposed to be in service to, you know, a couple things and that's it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so I want to be very clear that like when I hit puberty, I went from zero to a hundred, you know, I didn't have puberty really. I just became a woman. And, mm-hmm. and that, change in my body. I mean, it's scary to any teenage girl, but it was more scary to the women in my family. Hmm. They didn't know what to do (laughs) with this new woman. And so there was a lot of years of disordered eating and beating my body up um, and, you know, really dancing with illness um, because I thought I was supposed to be smaller on every level. Like yeah. physically, mentally, emotionally, right? Yeah. And um, and the last piece I'll just say about that is that it was actually being back in my body and coming into embodied practices that healed that relationship, um, and the power of you know mirror neurons, mm. um, you know, and being around other women that were choosing to heal the relationship with their body. Like I didn't just do that in a vacuum. (laughs) I, uh, uh, I remember that actually when the healing really started for me and when I felt like the little girl who always loved to dance and loved her body actually came into the adult body and said, okay, Mm. we're here to stay is when, yeah, (laughs) is when I started to go for runs through Golden Gate Park. I had just moved to San Francisco. I had, um, just, moved back to the United States actually from living in Chilean Patagonia where like the diet was like meat, cheese, more meat and some carbs. <laughs> and I was just feeling so heavy and out of my body. And I was like, gosh, I, I want to do a half marathon. And so I would run through the city of San Francisco, but from my apartment, I could run through Golden Gate Park and get to Ocean Beach. And it was the first time in my life I could run to the ocean. Hmm. And I remember running through the park and seeing other women who look like me for the first time in my life. Mm. Thick, strong, beautiful legs, curves, tall backs, like broad shoulders, big, strong arms, women who are much larger than me, rocking it in far less clothing. And I thought, holy shit, I have finally arrived at the party. (laughs) (laughs) And that's when the healing began. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Thank you so much. I could listen to you all day. (laughs) So, you know, I want, I think I want to talk a little bit about coming into a relationship with the sensations that are in our body. So Mm. it may be even like a little education here, right? Because Mm -hmm. if, if women are 
at any point on their path. I mean, I am living another iteration of this um, remembrance of embodiment right now, you know, like kind of waking up to, oh, I have that going on, you know? So, (laughs) so this is like, this is never really, it's never ending. Like we were saying, we incarnate with these impressions inside of ourselves, inside of our bodies, and we get the societal messaging. And so I just assume that in this lifetime, we will continually be healing, you know, we will mm-hmm. be continually remembering and reclaiming. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just gets more beautiful uh, as time goes. So that being said, wherever women are on that journey, um, I would love f- to hear from you as far as how to begin to come into relationship with the sensations. Um, so you're talking about the, the, realization you're out there running and you're going to the ocean. And so there are different sensations, you know, in the body from the run and different sensations in the air. And and then you're looking around and you're seeing these women who are inspiring you. And, and um, yeah, so, so then what happens? Like, mm-hmm. how does a woman come into embodiment? This is a question I've asked on the podcast before. It's a giant question, mm-hmm. but I'd just yeah. love to hear what you have to say about it. Yeah, gosh, there are so many layers to that. And the the first thing I want to say is that the body is never not talking to us. She's never not talking. It's really about us consciously choosing to listen. Mm. And to be really clear that there's no right or wrong in Mm. that. You can't listen right or wrong. It's impossible because it's your body and your body alone. And it's the one that you've got. So you know how to do it. So let's just erase any myth that you don't know how to listen to your body Um, and to just share that maybe there are some tools or practices that can help you remember. And Mm. that for me, that's what the sacred remembering is about. Mm -hmm. Um, So a couple of things. Um, One is that I've had phenomenal teachers in my life. And one of them is Gabrielle Lacchiara, and she teaches something called the Infinity Healing Practice. And um, effectively, when I got out of grad school, I came into her work, and she's a magician. Um, But she just very simply broke it down for me on an energetic level. She's like, when you're asking your body about making a decision, as small as do I eat this thing for lunch Mm -hmm. or do I hop on a plane and go here? Mm -hmm. She's like, you want to feel for the sensations of lightness and heaviness. If it, if it's heavy, that's probably not generative, meaning life affirming, Mm -hmm. um, for your body or for your soul. Um, if it feels light, then it probably is. And that's something that your body can lean into. And then maybe you ask some more questions about. Um, So playing with the sensations of light and heavy um, and, and being curious about that too. Like um, at the beginning of the podcast, I was having all those sensations in my uh, core and they were kind of like butterflies, but it wasn't the like, heavy, dun, dun, dun. Oh my God, I'm going to die butterflies. It was like, Ooh, it was like effervescent. It was like champagne in my solar plexus. I was like, Oh, here we go. I'm going to speak the truth. (laughs) You know? And like, that's light to me. Right. But it's different for everybody. So the biggest thing I can say is, is practice and get curious. Um, Oh, wow. Can I say something there? Please. 
Yeah. So I talk about expansion and contraction a lot Uh, in my coaching business and, and working with clients like, you know, because the body's going to tell us that's another way that the body's going to tell us um, if something's a yes or something's a no, but there's also contraction around something that's a little bit scary um, that maybe is also a yes. So Mm -hmm. I love the, the light and dark because the, the contraction that's around the fear that you go, you should go ahead and do anyway <laughs> um, yes. is going to be one of the more champagne bubbly um, light yeah. contraction. You know, it's going to be like, okay, eek, and here I go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's, um, you know, all different kinds of schools or practices and thoughts too around muscle testing the body or in, in other words, applied kinesiology. Mm-hmm. And if that's something already in your practice, beautiful. If, if not, it's just a really simple tool where you kind of tap, you know, tap the main meridians in your body or even just tap your heart just to get yourself present. Mm-hmm. And then you can start to ask your body to say, body, show me forward as strong or mm-hmm. generative or light. And without you having to do anything, your body will move forward. Mm-hmm. And then you can say, body, show me backwards as weak. And it'll move. It's like, so for me, whenever, you know, something is weak or not generative or good for my process, it's actually my womb. It's my second chakra that will pull me back. Like I'm on a strong oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. womb. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's a great way to get out of the head and drop yeah. in because we can rationalize anything right. as <laughs> good or bad, but ask the body and the body will either move you forward or will move you backwards. And Sometimes, you know, for me, my body will move me forward on something that I'm like, really? Like, come on. Like, I don't want to do that. Or (laughs) I didn't think I was supposed to do that. And it's like, right, well, your body knows better than your mind does. Mm -hmm. So just go, just try it. And then oftentimes it, I end up at a function where I synchronistically meet the person that leads me to the next big thing, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that point that you just made that the body knows better than the mind does. Mm -hmm. um, Why is that? (laughs) the body is just pure energy it's like and it has energetic imprints on it that are layered um it has stories that live in it don't get me wrong but the mind is where the ego is and the ego is there to protect us and keep us safe Mm -hmm. and can't necessarily delineate that like we're living in a time and a place where like we're not hunter gatherers and the tiger's not going to come out and eat us. Mm-hmm. Right? The body is without the mind's programming around what it thinks is safe or not safe. It's just pure energy moving through the experience of life. And more so than the brain, I have a feeling that the body actually tracks the ancestral imprint that mm-hmm. came through the womb of the mother and the grandmother. Mhm. And can lead us to experiences that um, on a soul level are healing. Yeah, absolutely. And you might not have any stinking idea why you need to be in that place doing that thing at that time. Exactly. Yeah. So, and and I want to also here kind of build a bridge, right? So when I was... um, living with a lot of trauma in my body, still in like forcing myself into the career that I no longer fit into, um, Mm -hmm. trying to be good. Um, 
you know, I, I wasn't dancing. I was afraid. I didn't know how to listen to the body. I was, I was freaking out in my body and trying to override that until my body was like, you may not override this anymore. Right. And then over time, and I went to um, a psychotherapist who was body based in um, Hakomi, uh, the Hakomi Mm -hmm. method. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I really, really recommend it. I love therapy also. And I love mm-hmm. body-based therapy, like period, mm-hmm. because your mind will do the things of rationalizing even in the therapy. And yeah. so bringing in the body, the body is not going to lie. And so, yeah, I mean, you might, and just to track with that, the Hakomi practice, which I still do mm-hmm. at this point, I know, you know, when I go into the body, the body's going to give me a truth. It's going to let me know where I'm stuck. And then I'm um, at this point, like akin to just flowing in it. Like you flow in it. And we do this in the Koya classes that you teach, you know, mm-hmm. like something's going to arise an unfortunate, you know, um, not unfortunate, but like an unpleasant um, yeah. sensation or unpleasant emotion. And then there gets to be a point on this journey where you're just like, okay, I'm going to be with it. I'm going to be with yeah. it because the body is telling me right yeah. now that this is the thing. And I don't have to understand it. I do not have to spend five months in therapy trying to know the story about it. I'm mm-hmm. just doing it. I'm just moving mm-hmm. it. Um yeah. Well, and I think that, thank you so much for bringing that up. I'm a huge fan of Hakomi as well and any somatic-based therapies. So if that's the entry point, I also just want to say this, like no matter what your entry point is, like trust that you're led to the right thing. And if you mm-hmm. need to be in talk therapy for five years, that's great. <laughs> um, for me, it was dance and it was movement. Um, and in Koya, we really talk about dropping out of the head and into the heart and moving away from performing our movements to look good mm-hmm. and to come back in with curiosity about what would feel good. And often those two are very different things. But if we're constantly moving because we think, oh, it looks really cute or sexy when I move my hips like that. Mm-hmm then we're staying very surface. We're not actually having a real dialogue with our body and the body has so many messages for us. Mm -hmm. And so if we get curious and drop in about what sensations feel good, you know, they can be the most subtle or most bizarre, like, Mm. Oh my God. Like I just really need to move my pinky finger up and down right now to the beat (laughs) of this song. And I have no idea why. Mm. And it's like, Oh, because I don't ever pay any attention to my hands. And now when I'm looking at my pinky finger, I can see like, hi, I need to like put some lotion on or give them a massage. They work so hard typing all day or like, you know, there's like a whole relationship now with this part of my body I get to have and tend to. Mm-hmm. And that level of tending for me personally is the process of being my own doula, of being my own parent. Mm. It's like a remothering process to the Beautiful. body. Yes. Remothering and uh, so <laughs> yes, that's re-nurturance, right? Because so yeah. many of us have been cut off from the true energetics of the nurturing mother mm-hmm. in a world that doesn't um, value that archetype as much. And so mm-hmm. we're remembering to nourish through our body so that we're, we're anchoring that in. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, Sarah. Yeah. So much wisdom. So much wisdom. <laughs> hey, it's Sarah. 
I believe that every woman has a truth that she's not yet telling, and that to own that truth changes and even saves her life. I have built a practice to help women own their truths, and at sarahpoet.com you'll find trauma-sensitive tools, practices, meditations, and a new e-course for shifting from silence to owning your sacred truth. All of my work is trauma-informed and yet helps to heal the trauma and build your core capacity to live in your own essence. I'm available for one-on-one support in one-hour sessions or longer-term coaching increments. You can schedule a 15-minute consultation to tell me how living in your silence about what is true for you is impacting your life. Together, we remove the barriers to your authentic and sacred self and help to heal the historical trauma of what it has meant to be a woman on the planet at this time. And you know what? Everything changes when we own the truth of who we are and follow the path of sacred remembering. I believe that it is the formula for changing everything from personal to global change. Book now at sarahpoet.com. You so much. So yeah. I really, when I was preparing for this, um, you know, Sarah and I are friends, but we haven't caught up in a while. And there was, there was a topic that really wanted to be talked about. And so I have no idea what we're going to find here, but I, I know, <laughs> I think I know that both you and I have really um, experienced a, a lot about being a woman in a body in relationships and how sensations in relationships, even sexually, um, you know, we can take this conversation wherever, but I'm wondering if you'd like to have a conversation about the sensations of truth in the body, in relationship and Mm. what arises when I say that. (laughs) I think about every single one of my exes. (laughs) Like, my body knew so much longer (laughs) than before I actually left those relationships. Um, Yeah, I mean, let's just be real. Like, the body is one giant truth detector. She is a tuning fork. And um, and then when we talk about being in a female body, um, and I want a presence that also, you know, if you've been through menopause or if you're transgendered, non-binary, if you identify with being a female, then like energetically you have a womb. Mm. And that womb is what I would call your low heart. It's really like the center of the universe of your body, mm. uh, your taproot. Um, in the holistic pelvic care realm and she's not going to lie. Okay. I have like 12 things I want to (laughs) say. Okay. Um, When it comes to relationship, um, you know, on the broad sense, like my body lights up when I'm supposed to be in relationship with anyone. Like when I met you, I was like, Ooh, like tingles, just like, I need to know this woman, mm-hmm. you know, like I'll never forget our first meeting at the coffee shop in Weaverville. And I was like, I need to do this like 10 hours a day. <laughs> it just <laughs> felt so good in my body to be in your presence. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you too. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Um, and so if I know what feels good, even if it's a really faint, subtle kind of a sensation, I also know what is the opposite of that. Yeah. Call it heaviness, call it contraction, call it whatever. 
but my body will tell me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my, and yeah, I, I am so sorry to interrupt. Mm-hmm. Um, your, our bodies are telling us, and then, you know, I think there's, there's just, there's so many really, I'm sorry, so many reasons that we get into relationships. Yeah. Um, you know, and often those traumas or what we're trying to work out is the very reason that we're in the relationship and we just, <laughs> we just don't know it yeah. yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, so what I hear you saying is like, when you look back and yeah. so you, you know, sort of the lesson of the relationship and then you look back and you're like, oh yeah, my body knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My body knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of like my body that led me in and led me out. And what was coming up for me as you were talking was like, I am somebody who loves touch, like loves it. Um, me too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I need it. Like if it was in my budget to get a massage every day, I would do it. Like it just (laughs) is so grounding for me. Um, I'm a very sensual person in need that it feels more nourishing to me than like probably eating breakfast. (laughs) It's just like, please touch me. And so, you know, there's something in my neurobiology that happens when I'm in relationship and I'm receiving consistent loving touch. Um, and that can be having sex with someone, but more often than not, it's, it's holding hands, it's kissing, it's laying in bed together. It's, you know, sitting in the movie theater next to each other, all snuggled up. It's like, um, it's a real sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I'm somebody who moved around a lot as a kid um, to different houses and things and, and towns, but um, also my parents divorced when I was very young and their joint custody arrangement was a week on, a week off. Mm-hmm. So every Friday I was packing a bag and I was moving to the next house. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me, I had to really cultivate from a young age grounding practices to make me feel rooted and like I belonged somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, from teen all the way through my thirties, uh, if somebody was there willing to hold me and touch me and love me, I was like, Oh my God, yes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, what I was doing though, was ignoring the other bodily signals I was receiving about the red flags mm-hmm. in those relationships. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have some things in common there, girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I've heard, you know, I've heard other women say this too, when there's a um, deep and seemingly safe connection in touch mm-hmm. or sexually, then there's an assumption that there's also an emotional depth or that there's <laughs> oh, must be meant to be or something like that. I definitely yeah. confused that um, in my journey. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Me as yeah. well. Yeah. I mean, and a couple of things I want to say about that is like, of course we confused it. You know, like we're receiving all of this dopamine and serotonin <laughs> with every hit of touch that we get. And so it's harder to track the other energies happening for us. Um, and the other part is like, I don't know about you, but I wasn't raised to even know how to track those. Or I, I wasn't mm-hmm. raised to even know what the pattern was relationally that I was supposed to be healing. I had to go right. through the pattern in order to know what I was healing. Right. And right. <laughs> for me personally, it was like, oh shit, I'm really here to heal this like addict codependent dynamic. You mm. know, like I mm. come from a long line of Irish alcoholics and I'm a really good little codependent. 
I will just put my center of gravity outside of myself and walk on eggshells and tap dance and tiptoe and do all the things to make sure that everyone else is okay. And you do that long enough and you actually stop learning how to listen to the cues of your own body. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but the body is so brilliant that she will just start screaming at you anyways. Yeah. You know, and so I have to hand it to my body that like, I've been in these relational patterns, but maybe it took me five years with this one partner to learn that. And then I went to two years and then I went to six months. And now I'm at the point where I look at somebody and I'm like, Ooh, I see your red flags a mile away. We're not even going on a coffee date. <laughs> like, right. Bye. Right. Right. So, that feels so good. It yeah. feels so good. And you're like, oh, yes. Okay. The thing I came to heal. Um, yeah. <laughs> don't need to learn it anymore. Yeah. But then, don't. Sarah, like on the other side of that is the really scary where I think <laughs> because you and I both do a lot of soul learning through relationship. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're not healing the pattern anymore, then you're living into the actual conscious union, which is also terrifying. But the thing that's different about that, <laughs> because I'm getting a taste of that right now, thankfully, is that my <laughs> mind is the is what's freaking out. And my body is like, you're good, girl. You're okay. Uh, uh-huh. You know, so, uh-huh. so the fight or flight that wants to happen, like even when it feels good, because good can feel scary. What? And mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. yet the body doesn't lie. And so I'm looking mm-hmm. at the body and I'm like, oh, my body's actually really fine here. Like really really good to go. So this is in my head, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And then I also, I'm just like so happy for you that you're getting to like create a new pattern. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yes. Graduated to the next level. Um, This is where I find that um, psychotherapy misses the mark and we need to dive into more energetic healing. Um, because the neural pathways of old behavior are so ingrained. Yeah. And you can talk about it on the couch forever and intellectually know the new pattern it is that you want to create. But the, the muscular reflex mm-hmm. um, on a physical level in your body, but also on the energetic imprint, is just going to call in the old pattern because it's so and used to doing course. it. Of course. Right? Yes. And so this is where like, you know, with my healing clients or with my dual clients, I'll just start going into energetic clearings and activations yeah, um, and clearing things from all time, spaces, dimensions, and universes. Cause we don't know like <laughs> where that energy is still stuck in us. Right. And, um, and repeatedly doing that like a mantra to like really help the body trust that yeah. it's okay. Right. And pattern. Yeah. Beautiful. I mean, it's no, no surprise that our work um, your work, my work, and so many women's work are are like, you know what? We need the whole. I mean, this, it's the only way to work. Yes. But you're saying yes. we need to go into the energetic and we need to trust that. You know, we need to stop looking to know with the mind or even like to get that clear yes from the body and, and just like trust that we are moving forward in in the most divine way for our divine plan. Yes. Yeah. That trust piece is real. You know, I think part of like patriarchal conditioning, particularly for women, but also for men is that we're trained to not trust ourselves, that we're placing our trust outside of ourselves in systems um, or, you know, a pill 
<laughs> to like make something better in our world, you right. know? Um, and really like the indigenous perspective is your soul already knows mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. simply like, or from the yogic perspective as well, like start with your breath mm-hmm. and all information required will be carried through that breath into, mm-hmm. into the body, into the cells and particles. Mm-hmm. And then really take action on the thing that you hear from within. Yes. Oh, so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So is there anything else that wants to be said about this, um, about the relationship topic? I don't know what mm, my, what my I for here. <laughs> um, I you know, I, <laughs> I guess the thing that's just coming up for me now too, um, is to trust the signals your body is giving you about feeling um, safe or comfortable or good around someone enough that like gives you the, the hit to lean in. Like maybe you're not like you see someone at a restaurant and you're like, Oh my God, this is my beloved forever. But there's something about them that your body actually wants to lean into. Mm -hmm. And what I've, I've been really experiencing for like the last 15 years is this growth cycle of the people that I want to lean into that actually feel the safest um, and most nourishing and generative don't look the way I thought they were supposed mm-hmm. to look or going to look, right? Like, yes, um, all the way. All the way, <laughs> right? And and there's so much I could say about that too. And I've dated all kinds of people and, you know, I'm, um, I identify as queer and I, I date men and women. And, uh, I have really had my like vision blasted open around what form love comes in. Mm. And, um, yeah, I guess that's just what I'll, I'll say about that, but trust that the body knows that it's, it's not really about the form. It's about how you feel when you're in that person's presence. Yeah. Beautiful. And, and that's the radar, right? And then, and then I would say as the, as the trauma sensitive coach, like yeah. also know that if you're putting yourself into a relationship that you're not getting those sensations of yes, stop, you know, yes. um, the yes. zone. Your soul is probably up to some serious learning. Um, you know, I did this within the past, um, like eighteen months to two years. Uh, I did it a few times because I was like, I was deep in the soul learning of what, what I did come to transmute uh, through relationship mm-hmm. in this incarnation, and I was going for the ones that felt very familiar. Like you're saying, yeah. um, there there was a familiarity, and it felt like such a deep, deep, deep connection. And with some of them, maybe perhaps with all of them, there was even past life connections. I've mm-hmm. been um, told by a trusted reader that I'm in this incarnation to clear soulmate karma. Mm-hmm. Um, of of like the trauma of the patriarchy, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I've been up to. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> not not a no joyride. Yeah. So much information about um, the following the yes on the body, but but I think here's what I want to say. Even though there was this deep recognition, <clears throat> deep recognition of these 
people that looked very familiar, their souls felt familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like coming home in a sense, you know, when you're, when you're still kind of looking for that in another person. Um, and my body was not comfortable. Like my body, yeah. the whole time with the last one, my hair was actually thinning. My hair was mm. thinning and mm. I was still going, like mm. I was still going forward. And, um, and that was, <laughs> Yeah, that relationship yeah. turned out to be one of the biggest lessons of my life, you know. But um, yeah, do not ignore the body. <laughs> no, I'm not, and I'm not laughing at you and your hair thinning. Like I'm laughing at all the times that my body was doing ridiculous things. Yeah, as well. Like I, <laughs> I have had partners where like I could not poop around them, or I would have crazy weird like you know, armpit smells that I never have. And I wear like all natural deodorant and like the best organic products. And it was like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) Like, um, or like fill in the blank, like just weird bodily things. Mm. And so the last thing I want to say about relationships, it's just like, ding, 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 ding. We talked at the beginning about like the rise of the divine feminine happening on the planet. Mm. And I would, I would wager that the, there's a rise of consciousness happening on the planet and this is masculine, it's feminine, it's actually genderless, it's sexless, it's consciousness is shifting. Yeah. And part of it's two-pronged. You have to have language for that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the body has to catch up mm-hmm. to that. And so right. I have experienced a lot of relationships with <laughs> like spiritual people or people that seemingly have the jargon and the lingo down about how to be like down with the woo and super supportive of the feminine and all these things. And so my body leans in and then I find out like, oh, actually you just have the words. You haven't done any of the work. So you're still like a hardcore narcissist Mm -hmm. or you're an addict through and through Mm -hmm. or like fill in the blank. And so it's Mm -hmm. a very wolf and sheep's clothing experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And And Oh yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Well, I I was just going to say, and then I've internalized that as like, well, shit, is my radar off? Like what's wrong with me that I keep attracting these, you know, narcissists cloaked in spirituality. And then I realized nothing's wrong with me. Like this is the pattern that I came here to heal. Yes. Yeah. No, nothing's wrong with you. And, and by you doing this work, you're helping elevate that consciousness on the planet because you're saying I won't participate in this anymore. Correct. Um, which has just <sighs> ripples and ripples and ripples. Yeah. And I was just going to add to another indicator for me, um, in the true understanding. And this is the, the thing that my soul is up to is this masculine feminine balance, you know, and helping that on the planet at this time. And when, when I see, a human, regardless of gender, who understands both the feminine and the masculine within. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, that's a form of the embodiment of the consciousness because mm-hmm. when those new, uh, I'll call them codes of consciousness are, um, are integrating, I think they do become more embodied, but um, you know, mm-hmm. so I don't look for a man, I, I do I date men so far, who knows? Um, <laughs> I, I am now looking for them to not just have spoken the words, but also to have like done their own process, gone through their own soul, death and resurrection. And mm-hmm. they love the feminine within them. 
like love mm-hmm. the feminine within their hearts because when yeah we're we're all coming back to hearts right now yeah. hearts and bodies and so yeah yeah and it just requires a profound amount of humility like for all of us to get really humble yeah and Thank just you. surrender to that process of healing you know right. and and Koi always say, there's no way you can do it wrong in the way you know you're doing it, quote unquote, right. Is that it feels good, but more than good, it feels true. It feels authentic to you and no one else. And like, honestly, it's such a way to approach life. Yes. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful end note right there, yeah. Sarah. Yeah. And thank you for lifting up that the truth within is an individual truth. And then we all get to have it. Each woman, each human gets to have it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you yeah. so much. Thank you. It's such an honor. So grateful for this space and um, so grateful to be, you know, on the planet remembering with you at this time. Yes. You as well. Please tell our listeners where they can find you on the web. Yes. You can find me at sarahbrianne.org. That's Sarah with an H and B-R-Y-A-N-N-E.org for my website about doula work and um, Koya and all sorts of things. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook and Instagram at Sarah Brianne Grady. Um, yeah. And I look so forward to connecting with you. Thank you so much. This conversation is, um, is really a blessing. I just, I really feel like it's packed with so much wisdom and thank you for being that wisdom carrier, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you also for being willing to courageously shine your light and be another medicine woman on the planet. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh Yeah. Love you. Love you. I hope that you enjoyed this amazing episode with Sarah Grady. I wanted to ask if you knew that there was a completely free Facebook group available to listeners of this podcast, Modern Women Waking Up to the Truth of Who We Are, and we're creating conversations and safe space there together in that group. So after you've listened to this episode, bring a question or reflection or start a conversation about what landed for you the Sacred Remembering Facebook group. We'll see you there. This is Sarah Poet of Embodied Breath, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm curious, what was your biggest takeaway? Remember that you are not alone on the sacred path, and women are rising now together. You can visit my website, sarahpoet.com for more tools and inspiration to support your sacred remembering path. Please be sure to check the show notes, subscribe to this podcast, share with a friend, and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I love to hear from you. Stay connected, and here's to your path of sacred remembering.